0: I wonder, a um, question for you, if uh, any of you, have you ever bargained with God? I did that uh, several times in my life, <laughs> quite frankly. I learned to bargain God maybe the first time when I was maybe about 15, early high school. Um, I grew up in a church very similar to this church. And one Sunday I got this brilliant idea. That in the auditorium where we met, and it, we had a clock on the back wall that obviously the pastor could see with the timing and the people who were leading the service, and this idea came to me, wouldn't it be fun, um, as I looked at that clock, to go and set the alarm on that clock? It had, a cl- it had the alarm on it, and I thought, that might be really, see what would happen, to set it to go off right in the middle of the pastor's sermon on a Sunday, <laughs> So I secretly set the alarm in that morning. No one of my friends were around looking and timed it to go off about the halfway through the pastor's sermon. And so he's preaching away as the service is going and his, the talk time came and he's preaching and I was thinking, oh my word, what did I do? Why did I do that? And so I began to pray and I said, God, would you just not let that alarm go off. I don't know how you do it, but would you just cancel that alarm? I don't know what I was thinking. I'm sorry. I'll Please don't let that interrupt the pastor's sermon. And I saw the time was getting closer. The minutes were counting down. And I'm probably sweating drops of blood, but inside I am thinking, God, will you'll do that? God, if you don't let that alarm ring I promise you, I'll serve you with my life for the rest of my life. (laughs) I'll do anything you ask me. I'll go anywhere you want me to go. Don't let, I'm sorry, don't let that alarm ring. And the time came for that alarm where I'd set it. And it rang out loud, (laughs) loud and clear, right in the middle of the message. So one of the deacons, of course, shocked, gets up, has to fiddle with the alarm, shut it off. So that pastor could could, uh, continue. Uh, Unfortunately, my bargaining with God didn't work out the way I'd hoped. It went off. My friends said to me later as they found out I did it, what were you thinking? That's one of the dumbest things you've ever done. And you've done a lot of dumb things as a kid, but that mostly topped them all. Well, I tell you that I I didn't really learn my lesson because I refined my bargaining ability when I got to college. And I told God if he would just let me have a particular girlfriend that I really wanted, that God, I will serve you as a missionary this time. (laughs) Because she was going to be a missionary. And I thought, well, that'll help my bargaining power with God. Well, this time, fortunately, that didn't work either. Because a few years later, I met Suzanne, and that's been much better than anything I could have cooked up. So even though I should have learned my lessons about bargaining with God, I confess I've continued to do that at various times over the years. Um, And I wonder today, and always, of course, with the same result, God wasn't interested in making the deal with me. He doesn't seem to be something he wants to do. And I'm I wondering, have any of you ever bargained with God? Or am I, only, am I the only sinner in the room? you got to be kidding me. None of you. Okay, thanks, brothers. I, think, I was hoping I was preaching to some sinners like myself, not all the saints here. But we do. We bargain with God, don't we? We've probably all done that in some ways. Maybe someday you can share your stories with me and uh, we can commiserate together. But today I, I want to um, help us see someone else who also made an attempt to bargain with God, just like we've done. His name, I introduced him to you last week, his name is Jonah. He was a prophet of God. We started looking at Jonah's story last week in this series we're calling Runaway Prophet. Because it's an odd title for a prophet because he's supposed to speak for God and go do God's work. And, but Jonah was called to do God's work and Jonah took off. He ran away from God. And his story is well known in the uh, Old Testament stories. We often call it Jonah and the whale. Maybe your kids have heard about it. Maybe that's what you first heard it as, Jonah and the whale. Even though there's not a whale in the story, that's what it's come to be known as. And we, where we left off the story last week it was with Jonah in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea fighting for his life after being thrown overboard from the ship that he had boarded to run away from God. For God had told Jonah, if you recall the prophet, Jonah, God said, Jonah, I want you to go the, to the city of Nineveh and to preach a, a gospel message to them. And Jonah said, No thanks. I'm going to Tarshish, the opposite direction. You know, it's never a good idea to say no when God says go, but Jonah didn't understand that, and that's what he did. Well, So because of that, Jonah ended up in a predicament that he could have never in his life imagined. We, that's kind of where we left things off last week. Let's, uh, let me remind you of that. In the book of Jonah, if you have your Bible, most of the verses will be up here on the screen, but if you want to follow along from your Bible, uh, Jonah is toward the back of your Old Testament. It's in a, a section called the Minor Prophets, and it's one of about 12, of 12 Minor Prophets, and you can search for it there, or if you get tired of that, they'll be here on the screen. But this is where we left off last week in Jonah's predicament, in verse 17. Now the Lord provided a huge fish, that's where the idea of the whale comes from. Provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. This great fish that God miraculously provided for Jonah is evidence of God's grace, an expression of God's grace in Jonah's life. God's grace is his unmerited favor to save Jonah from drowning in this sea, a drowning that he well deserved because he put himself there I don't know about you but I wonder I suspect some of you in your honest moments would can say I found myself where Jonah is I've been there I found myself there in a place like, like that of my own doing and I wonder when you find yourself there what do you do? what would you do if you were Jonah there in the belly of the whale? well here's what he did In chapter 2, verse 1, from inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. You see, when God said to Jonah, it's time out, then Jonah decided it's time to pray. Uh, We have a record here of Jonah's prayer. He listed for us in the second chapter. It's all about his prayer. And we heard that read to us a few minutes ago, but we're going to be looking a little more deeply into that. So I want us to take that look and a a reminder, the opening words of Jonah's prayer, of the direction he's taking this. In verse 2, he says, In my distress, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. From deep in the realm of the dead, I called for help, and you listened to my cry. Uh, Do you remember the cause of Jonah's distress, as he puts it here. Uh, and you recall now how he ended up in the realm of the dead? Yeah. He's there because of his own disobedience. When he said no to God, God said, Jonah, go to Nineveh. And Jonah said, I like Tarshish better. And he took off in the opposite direction. That was the beginning of Jonah's run from God. That's how he ended up in distress and in the realm of the dead, as he puts it here. Jonah's story, as I think about it, reads a lot like a story Jesus told in the New Testament. A story that was a parable, not a historical story like Jonah's was, but a parable that Jesus told about a prodigal son who, like Jonah, brought misery upon himself because he decided he would do life his way rather than his father's way. That brought him to a place through his own rebellion and disobedience to a place of disaster in his life, just like Jonah. So I I wonder, can can you relate to that? Did you ever find yourself in a pit that you dug for yourself? Did you ever think so highly of yourself that you didn't need God and you, you discovered later that your pride was what caused your great fall into the pit. Did you ever choose to do life your way rather than God's way? And so you rejected God's way and said, I'll do, do life because I know how it does, goes best. And you ended up in a place you never wanted to be. And you got there because of your own actions. Most of us have been there, haven't we? Well, that's what Jonah's story is about. When God said no or go, Jonah said no. And his life ended up in the realm of the dead, in the pit of a fish's stomach for three days. So with no place to turn, what do you do when you're in the belly of a a fish and there's stuff all around you and you have no place to go, you can't get out? Jonah prayed. And Jonah began to bargain with God to get him out of this. In the belly of that fish, Jonah presented his appeals to God. Very logical approach. And we see indications of Jonah's bargaining as his prayer proceeds. In fact, toward the end of it, his bargaining, we see essentially in verse 7. He tells the Lord, in essence, if you get me out of this mess, I'll remember you. I'll pray more. In verse 9, he adds to that. He says, I'll get back to sacrificing for you, and I'll keep my promises from now on. (laughs) Jonah knew that he didn't deserve a do-over from God. He knew that he'd blown it, and he deserved God's judgment, not God's deliverance. In fact, that was the very message that he was supposed to deliver to, to Nineveh. He's supposed to go and tell them, because of your wickedness, God is going to judge you. He's going to destroy you and your city. So Jonah thought, what do I have to lose by trying to bargain my way out of this with God? If he promised God enough good things, perhaps, maybe God would relent. and would help him out of this mess that he had created for himself. We understand Jonah's desperate attempts to bargain with God, don't we? Many of us have been there. Many times we've tried to do the same thing. We say, God, if you just bail me out of this financial mess that I created, I'll start tithing. I'll start giving to you regularly. God, if you'll just heal my marriage, I'll I'll clean up some of the junk in my life that's caused this problem. God, if you just take care of some issues in my relationships, I I promise you I'll start doing it your way better. God, if you only do this for me, I'll do all of that for you. But God wasn't interested in that kind of bargaining with Jonah. There was something far more important to God that God wanted Jonah to learn about him. He didn't want Jonah just to learn how to be a good bargainer. He wanted Jonah to learn a lesson that would take him through the rest of his life. So look at what happened. Right after Jonah called out to the Lord in his distress, he says in verse 2, The Lord answered me. He listened to my cry. Little did Jonah know the full weight and significance of those words at this point. And we could easily miss it as well. For what Jonah is experiencing here in response, uh, or in God's response to his cry for help, even his bargaining, is what the Bible refers to as God's mercy. It was God's mercy, not Jonah's bargaining skill, that moved God to respond to Jonah's cry for help, to listen to him, and to relieve him. That's what the great uh, Prode- or, uh, Protestant uh, Swiss reformer, John Calvin, noted when he said this. He said, without God's mercy, there would be no reason to pray. Really, who would blame God for taking a, a tough love approach with Jonah? I'm saying, Jonah, listen, uh, you are in a tough spot, but you got here through your own disobedience. And now I need to teach you a lesson. Get yourself out of that mess. I need to teach you a lesson about the consequences of your actions. Taking responsibility for those things. What any good parent would teach our children. Wouldn't that teach Jonah a lesson about doing life God's way instead of his own? Who could argue with God for teaching Jonah that important lesson? Jonah, through your own rebellion your own disobedience, you got yourself into this mess, now you have to live with the consequences. But that's not what God did when Jonah cried out to him for help. Because there was a more important lesson that God wanted Jonah to learn in his runaway status than about accepting responsibility for his own con- the consequences of his own decisions. And that lesson is about the depth and the wideness of God's mercy that was far more important of a lesson you see God's mercy is God withholding the judgment and the condemnation that we deserve coupled with that God's grace God's grace is him giving us what we don't deserve mercy withholding what we do deserve grace giving us what we don't deserve God's mercy It's one of the attributes of God, the characteristics of God that make God, God. And it's linked in the Bible with a lot of other important attributes of God that create who this, uh, the being or express the being of God. In Psalm 86, 15, we read, you, O Lord, are a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. So turn to me and have mercy on me. Being merciful means that when we deserve punishment, judgment, God withholds that. In fact, he blesses us instead. And it's God's mercy, coupled with his grace and his love, that's at the heart of the gospel. The New Testament good news. The gospel is the good news that God sent his son Jesus to satisfy the demands of God's Holy justice, a holy God. How does he reconnect with unholy people? You see, because of our sin, our our disobedience, doing life our way, our own rebellion, we owe a debt to God, to a holy God that we cannot pay. And so, God, in his great mercy and his grace and his love, he said, I'll pay the debt for you. I'll send my son. To die on a cross, sinless as he is, to pay the debt of your sin that you owe, but you can't pay. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5.21, when Jesus died on the cross, he became sin for us so that we could become the righteousness of God. In other words, on the cross, when Christ died, our sin was imputed, it was attributed to Christ. And his righteousness was imputed or accounted to us if we accept that gift of his grace through simple faith. Through opening our lives and saying, yeah, I need that payment. I owe it, but I can't pay it. And so I'll receive it as a gift of your grace through simple faith. That's the gospel. That's the good news of what Jesus came to earth to do. As one of my favorite authors, a pastor from the last century, A.W. Tozer recognized, he said, it was the mercy of God that gave us Calvary. Calvary being the hill upon which Jesus was crucified. And the cross of Christ is the ultimate expression of God's grace and mercy brought together because of his love. And it was a shadow or a foretaste of that that was delivered to Jonah while he was there in the belly of the whale because God wanted him to take Jonah to take that message of grace and mercy to the people of Nineveh as well and it was there that Jonah and in all that that Jonah began to recognize that he didn't need to run from God he didn't have to bargain with God for his mercy And rather actually than running from God, he could actually run to God and be accepted in spite of his disobedience and his running and his his unbelief and his failures and all of that, all because of God's mercy, not because of Jonah's bargaining power. That was the lesson, you see, that God wanted Jonah to learn and to embrace, It was far more important than any other lesson that Jonah wanted to learn. And he wanted him to learn that not just for himself, but for the mission and the message that God would again give to Jonah to bring to the people of Nineveh. And in the next couple weeks, we're going to see how well Jonah learned that lesson. But the same lesson truth is offered to us. The lesson that Jonah wanted, the God wanted Jonah to learn, is that when we stop running from God, His mercy welcomes us back. It's a simple message with profound implications. That no matter what great lengths you've gone to to put distance between yourself and God, or no matter how far you've run from God, or or how long you've run, the way back to God is short, very short. Because it only involves letting go of your sin, or disobedience, doing life our way, and calling out to God for his mercy. We sang of that uh, great truth last week in a, a, a course that was new to me. I hadn't heard it before, but I looked at, it caught my attention. I looked it up this week and came back to the words. The song is called His Mercy is More by Keith and Kristen Getty. And here's the words. They're taken right from Jonah's story. Thrown in a sea without bottom or shore. Our sins, they are many. His mercy is more. That's Jonah's story. That can be our story. Having placed the penalty of our guilt on his son Jesus, a penalty that we owed but couldn't pay, God now reaches out with his grace and his mercy, and he offers us the gift of salvation, of forgiveness of our sins, of eternal life, that God can reach us when we can't reach him because of his mercy and his grace. I love the way that 17th century English pastor and writer, John Bunyan, put it in one of his writings. Get this, he says, Oh, the length of the saving arm of God. Do not go about trying to measure arms with God as some are apt to do. I mean, do not conclude that because you cannot reach God by your short stump, therefore He cannot reach you with His long arm. Look again. Have you an arm like God? An arm like His for length and strength? So, when you cannot perceive that God is within the reach of your arm, then believe that you are within the reach of His, for His arm is long, and no one is beyond its reach. I'll tell you, if you're here today and you're not yet a follower of Jesus, God's arm is reaching out to you with the gift of His grace. Of salvation, forgiveness, and eternal life. And you can receive that not by bargaining with God and saying, Well, I'll offer you this if I can have that. God says, No, it's a gift, it's yours. You receive it through simple faith, through words similar to these prayer of faith. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge that I've run from you through my sin and disobedience. So now I receive you into my life to forgive my sins to take control of my life from this day forward. Thank you for giving me the gift of eternal life. Amen. That's it. That's how you receive the gift of grace and mercy. And I'll tell you, if we can help you take that step, you say, you know, I've been running from God. I've been bargaining with God. I don't know Jonah's God like this. We'd love to help you take the step of, how you discover a relationship with God and receiving that gift of grace and mercy of what the Bible calls forgiveness, salvation, eternal life. And if you are a follower of Jesus, but you'd say, honestly, you've become more Jonah-like than Jesus-like. You've been on the run from God for some reason or for some time. And now you say, I've made a mess of things. I find myself in a pit that I've dug myself. You say, my family has been damaged. My friendships have been broken. My relationships at work. My personal life has some brokenness. Maybe it's in shambles. I've got addictions. I've got disobedience. I've got baggage and and bruises in my life that I never thought I would get here because you've been doing life your way instead of the way God has. And you thought you're too far from God to ever get back to him. That God just can't reach you or just wouldn't want you if you decided to come back. Jonah's story is for you too. Because Jonah's story says, listen, God's mercy is greater than any of our failures. No matter how deep and dark the secrets are, God's mercy trumps them all. And he's just waiting for us. Waiting for you to return to him, to find his forgiveness, his mercy, and his renewal. And he offers that to each one of us if we've run from him. He says, stop running, receive my mercy, and come back home. If we can help you with that in whatever way it might be in your life, we'd love to pray for you this morning get together with you, sit down and have a coffee this week and talk it over and see how can God bring you back home and how can you respond to that hope? Our prayer team will be out here as we sing a few songs at the close of the service. and Come on out. We'd love to pray for you, pray with you. If there's something else we can pray for you about what unrelated is, that's fine too. Bring that and we would love to do that this morning. Let's bow in prayer and then our worship team will come and lead us in some final closing songs. God, we thank you today for Jonah's story. As hard as it is sometimes to acknowledge, it's really our story. We've tried to bargain with you. We've run from you. And yet the truth that Jonah learned is the truth that's still relevant to us today, that when we give up that run and we come back to you, your mercy welcomes us home, forgives us, renews us, restores us, and you can use us again. And so, Father, I pray for those across this room who've never experienced your mercy and your grace, that the truth of the gospel, Lord, would your spirit burn that into their hearts and their minds this morning to finally say, I need to stop my running and to come and receive God's gift of salvation and forgiveness. For it's in your name we pray, amen.